Is it possible to build a business just off of influencer marketing? Well, today, my friends, I'm going to introduce you to someone who has done exactly that and teach you how you can do the same for your business on this next episode of the Your Digital Marketing Coach Podcast. Digital, social media, content influencer, marketing, blogging, podcasting, vlogging, TikToking, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, SEO, SEM, PPC, email marketing. Whew. There's a lot to cover. Whether you're a marketing professional, entrepreneur, or business owner, you need someone you can rely on for expert advice. Good thing you've got Neil on your side. Because Neil Schaefer is your, your digital, digital marketing, marketing coach. coach. Helping you grow your business with digital first marketing, one episode at a time. This is your digital marketing coach, and this is Neil Schaefer. Hey, everybody. This is Neil Schaefer. I am your digital marketing coach, and welcome to my podcast. Several months ago, I got an email from someone who had read The Age of Influence and was looking for a little bit more hand-holding, leveraging influencer marketing for their business. I invited him to my Digital First Mastermind. He's been a member ever since and really sharing with our group and with me the amazing progress that he's had for his small business out of New Zealand doing influencer marketing. And I should say, not just doing influencer marketing, but doing something very, very natural, which is I created a great product. If only people were able to get this product in their hands, they would love it and they would tell other people about it and that word of mouth marketing will work in our favor. Well, if we're gonna get it into people's hands, why don't we be strategic about finding the people that would be the most passionate about this product and those are the people who are content creators who are creating content around the product that already exists out there. Let's reach out to them. Let's not say we're going to give you a $20 Amazon gift card. Let's just give you our product and get your feedback and go from there. And that's exactly what today's guest, Mike Badley from Pashier, you'll learn the spelling and what that means and what product it is momentarily in our interview. And I think Mike is just very, I don't think he realizes what an amazing job that he's done, but I believe that what he has done should inspire you and anyone listening that you can do the exact same thing for your business. Once you look at influencer marketing in a very, very different way than what the blogosphere and what everyone else tells you about it. So listen in, follow Mike's advice, and I am hoping, I know this is going to be the last podcast episode for your digital marketing coach for 2021, but I also hope it's one of the most impactful ones. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mike Badley from Pashier. You're listening to your digital marketing coach. This is Neil Schaefer. Mike, welcome from down under to the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. How are things going? They're going great, Neil. It's great to be chatting to you. So, yeah, no, it's a privilege to be on your podcast. So, yeah, no, and it's all good down here. We always take New Zealand for granted. And maybe, as I said, down under, I'm thinking, wait, do you say that about New Zealand? We could be inferred to be Australians, but we certainly prefer to be referred to as New Zealanders. But no, down under works. Down under is okay. fine. 
Good to know. We learn new things every day, don't we, here? Okay. So, Mike, you're obviously a, a member of the Digital First Mastermind community. Thank you for your membership. And you had reached out to me after reading The Age of Influence. And I have been really impressed by, I think, a lot of what you were doing, you did before reading the book. But just, I, I think, to get a sense of what you've been able to achieve with your influencer marketing, I think it's going to have a lot of actionable takeaways for a lot of people in the audience. Let's start with the background. Before you did that, basically launched a new brand, you've been doing something else for, for a long time. So let's start there. Yeah, well, I've um, started in 96, a web development business. So that's been um, chewing up a lot of my time in the last, oh, hell, 25, 20, a long time. And so, yeah, you know, WordPress and WooCommerce, and we've developed quite a few web applications and, and workwear space and product selectors and stuff. So yeah, it's um, a lot of sort of complicated web development as well. So needless to say, if listeners need a, if they have a complicated web development project, they can reach out to you. But you also started, and I don't remember the actual story of how you started this this other brand where you've been leveraging influencer marketing. So let's sort of shift gears. What made you start this new company? Well, I, I had a, this mate, Dirk, he's a real craftsman making um, a lot of things from wood. And one thing in particular with it was this uh, wooden kite paddles. And he wanted me to help commercialize it, take, put it on the web and try and extend the reach beyond New Zealand. And, with these um, wooden kayak paddles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been making them for about 30 years. And it's interesting. And I looked at them and thought, yeah, I researched the market and you know, in New Zealand, there's sort of half a dozen stores that sell them and kayakers, God bless them. They they love the outdoors extremely, you know, a lot, and which is excellent. But they're not the most affluent bunch. And in terms of his paddles, they're expensive. Okay. And kind of looking at them and thinking, well, can we get into a market that A, has money and B, has size? And with his paddles... The big thing with them was the beauty of them and the comfort from vibration dampening okay. and really thinking, I reckon we can apply this to handlebars. Let's see what we come up with. And that's sort of the R&D started. So you created so, what ended up being Pachier together with Dirk then? Yeah, yeah. He's the craftsman. I'm the, I'm the talker. So for those that are listening that don't know anything about what, what you created, can you please describe it? So you, you gave a hint there as the, this anti-vibration mechanism for a bicycle. Yes. So they're bamboo handlebars that are laminated. They'll have 11 laminates of three mil each. So, and they're bent into a shape, 22 degree bend in them. And they're just very comfortable. So they look really neat and they have a really comfortable ride aspect to them. That takes the chatter and the, the road noise out of the uh, the hand connection with the bike. Bamboo handlebars, of course, you think about it now, but how did you figure out that material was going to be the material that would work? Good question. We just kind of knew the strength of bamboo because strength is an important thing. And the strength of engineered bamboo, you know, combined with the lamination process would give enough strength. And it, and it certainly does. Okay, so you, I assume these were at first were sort of handmade, test the market. What happened? How, how did you get started actually promoting the handlebars? There was a shape of a handlebar that I was quite keen for Dirk to play with. And he just got into his workshop and started tinkering away and uh, whittling away and 
came out with a prototype and put that on my bike and thought, oh, interesting. <laughs> and just continue refinements and improvements, both from a design and a production process. Very unique. A lot of people who develop products, they might not have that workshop that a friend has where they can put together prototypes. They might be outsourcing the manufacturing those refinements can take a lot of time, right? So I think you had the benefit of, of, of that advantage of, of having Dirk and, and his craftsmanship. But as you created these prototypes, did you, I assume you started locally in New Zealand, you went to bike shops and, hey, you know, what do you think of this? Or how did it, how did it get going from there? Yeah, we made a few more and making all of them totally by hand, which was taking a long time. And then just really going to, to bike shops and gave some to once again started the sort of marketing at a real grassroots level you know hey do you want to have a look at this and people's initial sort of feedback was wow those look amazing and then asking oh are they strong enough so all these all these little sound bites affirm that hey we're on the right direction and would you know reinforce the key aspects of the the product that we needed to focus on you know strength and then they'd try them and They'd just give us glowing reviews and not really, not solicited. They'd just, and all the reviews would be about comfort. On the path less pedaled more recently, you know, this is a guy who tests a lot, a lot of kit. And his statement was the most comfortable bars I've ever ridden. And so kind of changing the paradigm of what a handlebar should be, which is really interesting. It's a handlebar, you know, as something to, you know, steer the bike, which is obviously that's logical, but can we add a comfort element to it? Because it does, it does, it's the connection between you, the bike and the road. Right. Can you make this comfortable? Can you make a long ride more enjoyable? So that part of the journey is kind of unfolded and it's been a real revelation. Should have we created something here that is totally unique and something that the market didn't realize they needed until they had a go? So yeah, it's it's fascinating. Sort of like the iPhone, huh? Yeah. <laughs> for those of you that are listening, if you're curious, you just want to get a quick glimpse, go, the, it's called Passier. It's P-A-S-S as in pass, and then C-H-I-E-R dot C-O dot N-Z. And you can get a glimpse as to what uh, what these beautiful golden bamboo handlebars actually look like. So you started off like many other small businesses, local market, going door to door in, in, you know, relevant shops, getting great feedback. So at some point, yeah. you, conveniently, you, you know how to, how to create a, launch a Shopify store, so that, that helps. But then you started this digital promotion of the product. So, so how did you get going with that? I, I, obviously, you created a website and a shopping cart, but what did you do to sort of the, the marketing to spread the word about the handlebars outside well, of New Zealand? Well, the spread of the word key audience is, is bike tourists and commuters and there are a lot of bike touring social media instances out there on mainly Instagram and Facebook, but just contacting these influencers on Instagram or on their websites and just, hey, would you like to give these bars a go? And a lot of these sites are all about something new. The bike industry is always after something that's different. It's they love their gadgets, the bike sector. And so something that is different, they're keen to engage. Their initial impression may be, you've got to be kidding. But there's enough intrigue there with with the bars for them to say, yeah, I'll give that a go. So, so it was just approaching all these people. Now, to you, it was probably very intuitive. But a lot of people, if I 
tell this story, which I do to a lot of people. They'd say, well, how did, how did Mike find all these people? I'm assuming you just did simple searches in Google and Instagram for bicycle tourism, commuter bike, that, that sort of. Yep. Just simple searches and you're digging in and, you know, one road leads to another, one path leads to another and, it can become a bit of a, you know, a myriad of paths, but yeah, it's, it's soon, you soon establish who, who, what audiences are listening and what, and what audiences are receptive. Right. Now I am on your site. I'm sort of multitasking here and I don't know how to translate Australian dollars to USD. So I'm going to do that right now because your handlebars are about $209 and 75 cents. So and I know it obviously costs you a lot to to manufacture as well. So you're basically sending off free products, each worth $200. You do not have an unlimited supply of these things, I'm sure. Did you start with like five a month, 10 a month? Or was it like, we're going to go all in and just try to flood the influencer market with, with getting yeah, people to try I, a product? You know, so far, we've probably given out about 50 and... And I'd be more than happy to give out another 100, another 200. Because it's because they're so novel and so new, you've got to get them into people's hands. And, you know, you can't sell a secret. Remember someone saying that, and it's such an obvious thing to say, but you've got to get out there and you've got to get people talking. And some people, some people have put them on their bike and they go, whoa, don't like this. And... It's because they're not used to them because there is a degree of flex. And so, yeah, it's, you know, if I have to give another 100, 200 out to the market for people to try, I'm more than happy with that. You're having the problem now of finding more relevant people to give them to. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's that will be a constraint. And so the the journey now is of the influencers we've, we've targeted and, and had dialogue and they've reviewed the product. We need, you know, to maintain that relationship because we're, you know, we're always bringing new stuff out. We've just bought some coloured ones out. We'll, we'll bring new shapes out in six months' time. So managing that relationship is a critical, you know, part of that journey. Would you say then that the initial successes, a majority of it have really come from that word of mouth that emanated from those first 50 handlebars that you sent out to influencers? Oh, totally. You know, from that, you know, from one little acorn, you know, oak tree grows. The the people will read the path less pedal and they'll contact me and they'll want to do a magazine article. And so it's it, it's intriguing enough for people to want to continue the conversation based on what other people have been saying. So yeah, it's nice. I think you've also found something interesting I, I talk a lot about, which is that when you reach out to influencers, they're, they're almost like a, a, a user focus group. I mean, they know as much as you know bicycles, they, they know them way more. Their, their engagement, a lot of different products, a lot of different people. And then you've been hearing a lot about this whole sustainability angle that you probably would not have known of had it not been through that word of mouth that came from those influencers, right? Yeah. And that's another, you know, that's another trend that we're aware of sustainability, but until we hit the European market, we didn't really understand the, the true extent of it. And that we're chatting to, to uh, influencers in the sustainability space as well now over there. So, yeah, that's really exciting. And because our, our product, it's made of bamboo. It's made of a renewable roots. And there's a bit of a drive in the, in the bike market to move away from carbon, which isn't renewable. So that's really exciting as well. So, yeah, one door opens another, opens another. 
And it's just a matter of knocking on the door and knocking on doors that you mightn't think will lead anywhere. But And there'll be one person that your your message and your you know offering really resonates with. And that's exciting when it does resonate and they become true believers. Of the influencers, there's probably half a dozen who I would call true believers now. Then there's another dozen that are enthusiastic and spreading the word. And then probably 10 who are just too busy, quite possibly riding their bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what's really interesting, so this is just a, a great case study of, of gifting, right? But it, it it's gifting to the right people, but it's also a product that has immense value and it has that novelty which your industry is looking for. So is it replicable in every industry? Certain aspects definitely are. Some might be relevant, as you said, to the bicycle industry, but obviously novelty is something that I think every industry has has some interest in. But now you're, and this is something we talk about when, when you join our digital first calls, is this sort of next stage, which is maintaining those relationships with those influencers. And a lot of brands just forget about it. They're they're one and done. It's a one night stand. They helped in our campaign. It was a success. Let's find new people. And you realize it's it's only a finite number of people, right? Especially at that truly influential level. And and how do you you know maintain that while at the same time expanding? You mentioned at the beginning it was websites and Instagram. I know that recently you have expanded to YouTube influencers as well, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah, in terms of yeah, the pathless pedal that's on YouTube, we did a great ten minute video. So yeah, it's kind of created an ecosystem, you know, a family of believers and influencers. Our task is to maintain communication with them and continue to give them value based on our story because they're all after content. They've got an audience and the audience wants to hear information. And and so if we can be proactive in providing that and providing product for their customers to, to sample as well. So we're giving giveaways to their customer base as well, their member base as well. Smart, smart. Yeah, I'm just, basically, I'm just thinking that you're basically creating in the age of influence, what I would call this this, this brand ambassador program, right? Where it's this long-term relationship. What's really interesting, you know, YouTube recently came out, I think it was in October of 2021, this report on the creator economy. It was focused on YouTube, but that creators on YouTube have an economy that's like bigger than a lot of European countries in the billions and billions of dollars. And Mm. what people forget is that creators need not just creativity and an audience, but they need content. They need things to create content around, right? And it's a really good reminder that that's really what it comes down to is the content, but also you being able to provide that. And those that have product have the ability to provide that, right? Yeah. Especially with, with all yeah. these other angles and information around the product, such as the sustainability. I just think it's something that a lot of brands just forget about when engaging with influencers is that keep feeding them, not with promotion after promotion. Sure, do a giveaway with their audience. That's an awesome idea, right? But just also that information and further products and just bring them. You mentioned six of those 50 are now what we call true advocates. They're, they're true believers. How do we get yeah. that from, from six to 10 to 15 to 20, right? Oh, and 100%. That, and that's yeah. how you do it. Honing right? in on the ones that are right, they have a, a certain makeup, a certain audience, a certain tone. It's as much, to, you know, the people that have a relaxed disposition in terms of these influences that don't take themselves too seriously, but we've got a credible product, so we need a credible voice. In, in the in the tone of the influencer. So, are you doing 
only those giveaways with those people that are performing the best? Or I'm happy to work with anyone with in any which way they want. I'm happy to give away another hundred or two hundred bars. Right. It just right. it just doesn't. That's that's my marketing cost. Yeah. No. Exactly. Fifty times twenty is ten thousand dollars, but. To, to launch a company with, without being your sole source, obviously your cost is going to be lower than that. So it yeah. actually doesn't cost a lot of money. The, the shipping, depending where you're shipping to, may, may cost a little bit. But I'm just curious, because you mentioned you're going after an affluent, relatively affluent market. A lot of direct-to-consumer brands like you are, are very are infatuated by TikTok. And it's obviously a much younger demographic but it is mm -hmm. getting older, just like Instagram has. Do you think that there is a demand for your product? Have you, have you been starting to do searches and potentially engage with TikTok influencers or you're still sticking with, with Instagram? YouTube haven't haven't as yet, but any audience that's got ears and eyes and, and is after content, certainly the, you know, the, the TikTok market is something that, that we'll definitely look into and, and, and see where the, um, the sweet spots lie there. So that, that'll be part of that, you know, research journey. For, for, for further influencers, yeah. So for those that are listening, just I think your story is just, you know, the power of gifting when you want to get the word out about your product in social media, no one's talking about you and you just want to get feedback. And, and I mean, there's just no better way to do it than, than what you've done. And that's why I use you as like my role model whenever I explain this this concept to, to brands and, and, and what have you. Any other advice that you would add to those listening that want, that want to consider doing this for, for their own business? Any things that you've learned along the way that you'd like to pass on? Just being, I guess it sounds sort of a bit glib, but just honesty and your whole messaging. Don't oversell it. Just be upfront. And I'll say that, hey, you can't use these bars on this bike. Yeah, I don't want you to do this. You know, this is where you use them. This is the experience people are having. This is what people are saying. This is not what I'm saying. So just having a lot of honesty and integrity. I know that sounds as glib, as say glib, but have a nice candid relationship with these influencers. Do you go into yeah. the story of how you created the company with, with influencers? Do you tell them sort of who you are and just you and a friend? Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. It's yeah, we'll talk about the workshop and we've got a lot of images on Instagram now of the workshop and Dirk and I, silly old buggers, just chatting away. Yeah, and I, I guess, guess that resonates with people. We're just a couple of blokes with an idea that are just doing stuff. And that, yeah, no. that, that has some appeal. Yeah, no, that, it's awesome. And I think that's something that we often forget to talk about is that that story, the story of the company and those, those human elements, authentic, you know, transparent elements that people buy into more and more with every day we know. Yeah, it is, because uh, there's a lot of black and bull out there, right? And it's, <laughs> it's just sort of, we, we stay clear of that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, everyone listening, yes, from Southern California to New Zealand, it is a long time away. And that's why we seem to have these like time delays during our conversation. So my apologies for all that. But Mike, it, it's been great finally having you on the podcast. I know that everyone is going to, you know, a lot of great takeaways. If there are people listening that are in the bicycle industry and or sustainability and they have an interest, because I know it's, it's probably it's still a secret, but you're looking at leveraging sustainability raw materials for, for other products in the future as well. How can people, obviously pasture.co.nz is the Pasture website. How else can people uh, reach out to you if they want to get in touch? 
Yeah, just Mike at Pashir. You know, email is the best way to touch base with me, really. Mike at Pashir.co.nz. And what is the, for your web development, what is what is that website? I don't even know that one. So that's wired.co.nz. W-I-R-E-D.co.nz. Wired.co.nz. I'm just multitasking. Just want to make sure this pops up. There we go. Okay. Wired Internet Group. Web Design Christchurch. Make sure you check that out as well. Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to continuing the conversation in our Digital First Mastermind community. Yeah, no, it's a joy. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, Neil. Thanks so much. Isn't that a great story? And it's something, once again, that anybody can replicate. Now, what is great about Mike's product is it is of a value, like, you know, 200 something dollars, that when someone receives they know it is a value. So if you're selling a one or $2 thing or even a nine ninety five a month thing, it might be a little bit harder to get people excited about wanting to try your product. The, the higher value offer and the more relevant it is for the people you reach out to, obviously the better results you're going to get. And Mike's product and strategy was just in the right sweet spot to generate results. I'm really excited to see what happens to Pashier in 2022. I'm also excited to see what happens to your company in 2022. Thank you for a year of tremendous support for your subscriptions, for your reviews. Keep them coming. I know I say this at the end of every year, but I feel like I have just gotten started. So here's to an awesome New Year's Eve. We'll see you again in 2022. This is your Digital Marketing Coach, signing off for 2021. You've been listening to your Digital Marketing Coach. Questions, comments, requests, links? Go to podcast.neilshafer.com. Get the show notes to this and 200 plus podcast episodes and neilshafer.com to tap into the 400 plus blog posts that Neil has published to support your business. While you're there, check out Neil's Digital First Group Coaching Membership Community if you or your business needs a little helping hand. See you next time on Your Digital Marketing Coach.